Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Tonight, I am joined by a special co-host and friend of mine, Brian Finch from PauseIAM.com. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm not too bad. It's great to be here. Good. Good. I'm so excited to have you with me this hour. You know, um, ever since you did the, the HIV and Me segment, I wanted to have you back on, because I've had you on since before that, right, when you were on previously, when you first launched the site? Yeah, yeah, that was back um, probably November, last November. Yeah, so it was almost like a year. Yeah, been a while. And we did the HIV and me video, so I wanted to have you back on, and when we decided we were going to change the format up and bring on some different co-hosts, I definitely wanted to, you know, bring you back in, especially because, you know, you're so supportive of Pause I Am and the radio show, so I kind of wanted to throw it back and, you know, help promote what you're doing because you're doing great stuff over there at your site. For people well, who don't know, you're in you're in where uh, Toronto, right? Yeah, yes, and I'm I'm playing around with this new speaker and headphones and stuff, and it seems like really strange. So bear with me. Yeah, I'm in Toronto. I'm you know oh, cool. kind of upstate New York. Yeah, yeah, I was there recently, and I wanted to catch up with you, but we were so busy doing everything with all the yeah, games that we played that I had like no. The downtime was. Go and eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really hard. You always make plans to do stuff, and then, you know, life takes over. But it's a real beautiful city up there. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm not originally from here. I moved here from a little city in called Winnipeg. It's about a three-hour drive north of Fargo, and uh, I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> so uh, this is wonderful. I like it here. No disrespect to Fargo, but the climate, you know, it's too cold. How is the, the ASO, you know, as somebody who's HIV positive, how is it living in Canada and up in that area with, you know, the, the, the local ASOs that you're sitting? Well, t- Toronto, for those who don't know, is the largest city in Canada. It's very diverse. So we have a lot of uh, resources here and a provincial government that funds a lot of organizations. So we have quite a few. There's uh, a lot that are culturally specific. And then um, the major one, which is the AIDS Committee of Toronto, but we also have the Toronto PWA Foundation, which the name itself tells you how old it is because of, of the acronym. And uh, I actually worked there as a Speakers Bureau Coordinator, and they provide a lot of um, practical assistance uh, with food and housing and uh, all sorts of stuff. So there is a lot of resources here. You know, I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm really jealous of is that you guys all have that health care, you know, where it's basically universal health care and you're able to, you know, get taken care of whatever you need. And it just sucks because it's like you're right over the border. You're not that far, and yet it's so different living in, you know, the two different cities since I'm from Levittown. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when it comes to health care, it's a very different culture here around it. I mean, you know, like any like any healthcare system, it's not perfect, um, and it certainly was interesting to watch the healthcare debate in your country. 
uh, certainly was an emotional one. Um, but I, but I have to say that, you know, for all the, you know, there are things that do happen that aren't great here, but, uh, I, I do certainly would prefer that. But the one thing I don't have to worry about is seeing a doctor. Uh, every province though is different in terms of how you get your prescription drugs. So that does vary from province to province. So some places are better and other places aren't as good and they all have a different system of reimbursement or what they would cover or what they wouldn't cover. So I'm not sure what it's like in the States, but, um, so it can vary depending on where you live. Yeah, it's, it's very crazy down here and, yeah, it, it just, good to hear a different perspective on it and to see what it's like up there because, you know, us down here, the Americans are so jealous that everyone up there has it, you know what I mean? And then I hear from some people up there that are saying, yeah, you know, it's great, but it's not as great. So, you know, there's something yeah. that on both sides. I mean, it's it's great we have it. Uh, sometimes there's waiting for things, so sometimes there can be frustration. Um, you know, I'm not going to deny that. Uh, I might... My most important needs are met, particularly around HIV. Everything is very quick. Uh, I get to do what I need to do, and I don't worry about it. But something like a bunion, I have been trying for a couple of years to get it dealt with. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm getting closer. But, you know, there's things like that that can be difficult. Um, you know, I would say, like, I-, I will pay to get this done. Please, I need to walk again. So, um, So, you know... There's good points, there's bad points. I mean, you have a lot of innovation in the U.S. And, um, you know, there's great health care there if you can have access to it, from what I hear. <laughs> if you can afford it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just shouldn't have to worry about your basic health care in terms of having to afford it, you know? Like, when you're sick and need to see a doctor, that should not have to stop you. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, yeah, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine going through such hardships with, you know, I do know someone who, you know, is an American friend who is talking about not wanting to leave uh, her job because she's afraid she wouldn't get insurance anywhere. So so those are things that, um, you know, I feel very lucky to not have to worry about. But, you know, there are many Canadians who have to worry about how are they going to afford their drugs or how are they going to get their drugs because not every provincial plan will cover. Some plans are, 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 are great. Like in BC, you can, everything is provided. Uh, here in Ontario, you would get, um, there's a thing called a trillium drug plan. So they base it on your, your income and there's deductibles and bureaucracies and other places. It's, you know, I think it's quite easy and, Atlanta, Canada, not so great. So, yeah, it's a big mishmash. But we're not not communists. (laughs) It totally makes sense. Actually, before we get into some of the topics that we're going to talk about tonight, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in and remind everyone that you can uh, listen live. If you're not listening on our show page, you can listen live at Blog Talk Radio backslash POSIM. And there's a chat room there. You can join Blog Talk Radio, friend us. Uh, there's links to our Twitter and Facebook and our social network. Um, I also wanted to talk about the shows that we have coming up in the next two weeks to let you know uh, what to expect. Uh, we are going to go back to uh, our regular scheduled format uh, for the next two weeks, and Jack will be here next week, and we're going to interview an author by the name of – oh, my God, it just totally went out of my head. Can you believe that? <laughs> I did it totally go out of my head now. 
It's fine. Are you um, having... No, Scott Pride is going to come on, and he's going to talk about... Um, he's an author, an activist, a speaker, and he does a lot of great things, and he has this new book um, that he just uh, mailed out to me called Private Midnight, and it's like a journal. It looks like a journal and a scrapbook of uh, for basically teenagers, and it asks them questions, and it talks to them about sex and, and self-esteem and, and how, you know, how to mature and how to grow up and how to deal with yourself when you're in that teenage, weird, you know, thoughtfulness. You know, because when I was a teenager, I had weird thoughts. You know, I thought I was the only gay person in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I always had bad thoughts, you know what I mean? I, I always I had thoughts that maybe I, I didn't belong in this world, you know, stupid suicidal thoughts when you're young because you don't fit in and you feel different from everyone. And, yeah. and so that kind of book addresses those natures for teenagers, and it's really – Really interesting, and he's going to come on and talk about that next week. And then the following week, uh, on the 26th, Jeremy Gunn will be returning. I call him Jeremy Gunn. Jeremy Gunn will be returning, um, and he will be a married man when he returns. So he's going to be getting married um, within the next two weeks, and he'll come back as a married man. And we're going to actually have Paula Del Mar come on and uh, talk to us about what she has coming up, because she was on previously before, too. Every time I hear someone getting married, I get more bitter. But you know, <laughs> one day, <laughs> okay. one day, I'm bitter. <laughs> now good for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really excited for him, man, and excited for any yeah. you know gay person who's able to get married because it's such a debate right now, and it just doesn't make sense at all to me why it's such a debate in the world, and and why there's still so much discrimination towards certain groups. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting to watch the debate unfold uh, in your country when we had it here and, you know, everything, that, you know, the sky's going to fall in, the world's going to stop as we know it, and it's just, you know, that just doesn't happen. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> we're the root of all evil, all evil, right? I know. You know, like, really, nothing's changed around here. <laughs> right. So just a big congratulations to Jeremy and Mark. Yeah, yeah, uh, great. You guys have a great honeymoon and a, a good uh, wedding. And I and wish where, you much. Where's he getting married? Um, I believe that they, I believe that they did something in like D.C., but then they're coming back and having like their whole thing here. I'm not sure exactly, but he lives in South Carolina, and that's where, you know, the invitation was to. I obviously uh, wasn't okay. able to make it, but you know what I mean. That's where it is, so it should be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to hear all about it when he comes back. That's great. When, we get, when we're diagnosed, a lot of times, you know, we think that we're never going to find love. Yeah, so that's very first, true. You, first you go off gay, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to find anyone because you think you're the only one. And then when you become HIV positive, all the gay people that you thought were going to love you, now you think aren't going to like you. You know what I mean? So for him to get married and, and to be so open about his status and, I just think it's a great story, and I can't wait to hear all about it and see photos and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So speaking well, of dates, actually, coming up uh, September 18th, it's, and this is something new. I get Google alerts um, under HIV and AIDS, and this came to me. I'd never heard of it before, but Saturday, uh, September 18th, is National HIV, AIDS, and Aging Awareness Day. What are the thoughts of that? Like, where did that come from? Like, is it? I know. I, I just I never heard of it. That. I know. You know, I was diagnosed when I was probably, I think I was around 22, but I know that I was exposed since probably the age of 17. So, 
It's like, yeah, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older. Uh, but, you know, HIV and aging is the, um, a topic that's going to become more and more and more discussed as, uh, as um, a lot of the – there's a lot of issues particular to living with HIV when you're, when you're older. Uh, a lot of illnesses happen earlier. There's a whole new set of care that's going to have to happen as a population ages, whether you're someone like me who got it when they're younger and you're getting older, or you're older and you happen to become positive and what happens, what happens then. So, like people my age, 45, we could be experiencing things that would typically happen to like a 55-year-old or 60-year-old, you know, cardiovascular disease or, you know, I got my bloody bunions, uh, anything that's inflammatory and that kind of stuff. So I, I can understand why they would have an awareness day. I just, you know, maybe I was too old and I forgot, but I didn't, um, I didn't see it until I think today. It's very interesting because I never saw until I got the news alert, like uh, I think it was on Thursday the 9th I got the news alert, but it was – it's just something that, you know, there's so many different AIDS awareness days now. Um, they should just put it all in one month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day, every day a different thing. You know, sometimes I wonder if there's so many that it's sort of, you end up diluting yeah. everything. I mean, that's, you know, maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, yeah. There's also uh, you know, many because um, my soccer team is doing this event on the National Latino AIDS Awareness Day, which I believe, don't quote me, October 9th. It's on the weekend, and my soccer team is running this whole, like, soccer tournament that is promoting AIDS awareness to kids and things like that. So it's something that I'm going to, you know, test and see how it is because I've never been to this event before. But having yeah. all these different days, you know, because there's, uh, there's all different days for age awareness, and it's just, I don't know if there's so many of them that people think, you know, we're overloading or, or I don't know. It just seems, you know, it's good that they have it for this. You know, we'll move on. People can go to it. I have um, the article here. I'm going to link it into um, the chat room so they can all check that out. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, especially with the new infection rates with, you know, the, the older generation, the, the over 50, um, it's important that there is awareness for them because, obviously, if they're getting it, uh, if they're being infected at that age, there's a lot of things that they're dealing with that somebody like me and you won't be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I don't know about other places, but in Toronto, I'm told, uh, despite the stats of younger women, there are many who are around the 35, 37 and up mark that are actually becoming positive, 37 and up range. So these, these are men that will be... Um, Hopefully, uh, living a very long life, and that will go into the that will have implications for for that. But also in the healthcare industry, I don't think we're really prepared for that yet. Right. Because it's going to be you're dealing with aging in general, and then you've got all sorts of different specialties and doctors and drugs and what have you. So yeah, I'll be talking about doctor in this day and age. Oh, God. I have enough pills as it is. <laughs> I don't think I have enough either. <laughs> I'm a prescription hoarder. That's my thing. I clean my cupboard, though, finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So the next um, topic that we wanted to discuss was actually happening up in your neck of the woods, up in Canada, 
which was um, a, a blood ban on gay men donating blood. Yeah, to, the uh, um, Canadian Aid Society lawyer Doug Elliott, I think, spearheaded that. And, uh, yeah, the court said that um, basically the sort of the public health risk overrode, overrode, um, I don't know if that's correct English, uh, was more important than one's individual sensibilities. So I do know that that's going to get appealed. Um, I mean, really, men who have had sex with another man since 1977, if we're really truthful. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot of donors there that, you know, they would lose if they, you know, really, if that was really to happen. Uh, What do you think about it? I think it's a little, it's a, I think it's kind of, to me, it's discrimination. Um, I don't think it's fair for you to exclude people because that just, to me, that puts more stigma on only gay men get this. This is a gay disease. You know, straight people don't need it. It just adds to it. Whether they need yeah. to do it in, a, in a, a safe way, I understand they're trying to, you know, put public health as priority, like the next article that I'm going to post in the, in the, Cal, the Calgary Herald that just, uh, released on actually yesterday, September 11th, and um, they talk about how they think they made the right decision and da-da-da-da and the ruling, and it's just, to me, it's discrimination. I don't think that you should be able to tell people that they can't donate blood just because they're gay. Yeah, we have very good testing now because, you know, it's it's kind of like another way of sorting, which has its pros and cons, um, but, um, you know, you just can't, you know, people will, will, like, you know, when I joked about 1977, anyone who's had sex with a man, uh, you know, it's, it's, that is not, I think it's a false feeling of safety if that's the way you're going to do it, and it is discriminatory. So, you know, let's just make sure everything's tested properly as it should be and allow people to donate blood. And here's what they quote. Um, I'm reading here from the article. It says, this issue is not one of discrimination against gay people. Just as the ban on blood donations from people who ate meat in Britain during the years when BSE, I'm assuming is some company over there, uh, was a threat there. Or maybe BSE isn't a disease. I don't know. Maybe it's E. coli. I have no idea. Um, they're saying yeah. that it's not, it's not necessarily about, you know, discriminating people. It's, it's more purely about the matter of public health and the risk of disease. Yeah, you know, and then they go on to talk about condom misuse and breakage and this and that. And, you know, in Canada, uh, the aboriginal population, and I'm not suggesting, and and it sounds like I'm suggesting that I'm not, but they're the most risk are really aboriginal women in Canada have disproportionately HIV in the aboriginal community, which I think is just really, you know, it's our really horrible, dirty not so secret sometimes thing about Canada is that um, the Aboriginal population is just, you know, lives in third world abject poverty. And, you know, there's stories of three generations of families living with HIV. um, There's, you know, this message, what I'm saying is this message, like you said, focuses on gay men when, you know, we really need to see a bigger picture here. And, And that's not about, you know, banning all these people, but we need to, you know, the society understand that this is, you know, far greater than... This sounds like the early 80s when they start talking about this ban. 
Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. it's a lot, many years later. So yeah, it should be more like banning. See, but I think just using the word ban, like I think they should just ask people that are HIV positive not to donate blood. Yeah. You know, if you do it in a respectful way, people aren't going to get mad. But when you sit there and try to, you know, ban a whole population of people, when yeah, you know, it just doesn't make sense. There is a great comic here, gay comic, um, Boris. Jeez, I wish I could remember his full name. He's so funny. He did a great routine on that about <laughs> wailing in, really queeny, <laughs> just being really flaming, come in with a woman, pretend you're straight, and, uh, you know, donate blood. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a funny set, actually. Um but, yeah, it's definitely something that's to be continued. I, like, what is the status in the States? Is it the same thing? For? For blood donation, I imagine it is. Um, I don't know, because you know what? They were talking about that. Um, I, I heard it on The View one morning. They were talking about it one day. And I don't know if they if they were talking about ban, putting the ban in place or trying to pass the law or if it was something that was passed. I don't really remember, to be honest with you, because it was so long ago. Um, and when it comes to, like, all those kinds of – I mean, I really should be up to date on those laws, but I, if it's not in the news or something, I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Most of our stuff to... isn't in the news. You have to read it yeah. online somewhere. Yeah. it's Well, in Canada, it's definitely it's going to um, – with the appeal, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm not – uh, yeah, I, I have no idea which way it's going to go. Hello? <laughs> Sorry, that was it. <laughs> that was a phone that I just disconnected. Sorry. I was supposed to be ringing. So anyway, the next topic I wanted to talk about was uh, AIDS Walk and how important it is for, you know, HIV-positive people and our allies to get out there and participate in these walks. Um, I know the Philadelphia AIDS Walk is coming up on Sunday, October 17th, and I, I'm not putting a team together, a specific POSIM team, but I will mm-hmm. go ahead and we're going to meet a couple POSIMers. We're going to meet up there um, in front of the Rocky statue or something like that and walk together so we can meet each other, you know, face-to-face. Uh, we do it actually every year. We've done it for the last, I think, three years, so this will be year number four. Hopefully it won't rain, knock on wood, <laughs> like it did last year, poor. Oh, God. But um, yep. I just wanted to uh, list some facts about, um, you know, AIDS itself and in Philadelphia for people who are interested in maybe listening. Here it says, since 1981, over 600,000 Americans have died of AIDS. So that's something, you know, that a lot of people maybe don't know that, you know, that, that many people have, have passed away from AIDS. Uh, every nine and a half minutes, someone in the U.S. becomes infected with HIV. So, I mean, that's, I mean, throughout the duration of our show, it'll be, let's see, six people who become mm-hmm. infected with HIV, you know, throughout the hour. Um, approximately 20% of the people infected with HIV don't even know it. You know, so that's mm-hmm. the scary part is that a lot of people who, don't, who are infected don't know they are until it's too late. I know in Canada we estimate that it's upwards around 40%, mm-hmm. at least up here. Wow. Uh, quite a high number. Yeah, I think it's 25% here, like one in four people don't know, if I remember. Um, Another stat here is, according to the Philadelphia Department of Public Health, 
Philadelphians are being infected with HIV at a rate more than 50% higher than residents of New York City. Wow. That means it's, like, really rapid here in Philadelphia, and um, that's why it's so important that there's education here. And it, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really, really important. And then the last fact um, I have here is the rate of infection in Philadelphia is five times the national average. Wow. It's um, yeah. startling. Very. Uh, now, why do you think that's the case? Why do I think that's the case? I think because, I, honestly, I don't know. I think because oh, I, over the years, actually, I think Philadelphia has kind of been growing as a gay city. Yeah. Um, and, like, the neighborhood has really started to expand the nightclubs, the bars, um, and that whole area has just really started jumping. And I think now it's starting to catch up to these big cities like San Francisco and New York. Now it's considered like a, a, a gay hotspot to come to Philly. Okay. Not, not necessarily that it's only gay, but I mean also. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. But in general, I'm saying from my from my experience that I can I see the gay community really growing, and you know obviously it, it is the virus multiplies, so it, it's going to yeah, grow yeah. with the with the population. Well, that's the, the thing when you don't. Back to, you know, not knowing your status when you, when you, as many people probably know, when you first are exposed, that's when you're the most, um, you know, infectious, for lack of a better word. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, easier to expose other people and they don't know and it sort of, you know, sort of builds multifolds very quickly. Is there a, a wall coming up um, in your area? Uh, most of them are taking place, like, last weekend, uh, like, there was a whole bunch yesterday, and then there will be some probably next week. They're kind of scattered, scattered about. Uh, I probably, uh, yeah, I would like to get a positivelight.com team together at some point. My disclaimer is, is that, you know, I talked about my bunion, I have a real trouble walking, so unless someone can, you know, um, loan me a scooter, I'll do the walk. So I, I pledge people. That's my role at this point. Uh, but it is great to have a presence there because people are uh, forgetting about, about HIV. It's not in the news in the same way. You have to be really vigilant to, to keep at it. Uh, I, I interviewed this woman who um, wrote, I never know, knew what an oratorio was, but it's a, sort of a spoken word poems to music, and this woman wrote one that opened up this huge cultural festival here, and it was all about HIV, the history of HIV, and the reason why she wanted to do that was because uh, she felt, like I do, that people aren't thinking about it as much uh, as they should be and wanted to bring a way to to uh, highlight it, and that's what I think, uh, apart from fundraising for the AIDS Walk, is it's a public display of... Um, uh, not only solidarity, but making a presence that's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here we get a pretty big turnout. Like, I think the first year I went, we had like 18,000 people. Wow. So, you know, the support is there. I mean, and you got people who are infected, people who, you know, uh, family members, and then you got schools that come and walk. 
And like I was telling Scott last week is, I don't know if they do it up in your area or if they even do it anywhere else besides here in Philadelphia, but they have little, like, uh, post signs that they put in the, in the ground as you walk. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. And what they do is they have little facts on it about HIV and AIDS, like the infection rates mm-hmm. and, and uh, info about, like, Pedro and, like, the year, you know, with the years on it. So as you're walking, yeah. you're progressing the age of AIDS, and you're seeing how it progressed and, and, and how everything happened over the years. And as you get closer, it talks about things that are going on now. Um, so it, it's like, the, like I'm sure this year when we go, it'll show that there was the ban, the travel ban was lifted. So it, like, educates yeah, yeah. kids along the way. So it's a good, like, way to conversate and, and, and teach your kids when, you're, when they're walking, if you take your kids with you. Some people don't like to take kids. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you know, this is a little off topic, but I, I have my website redesigned, and my, my friend who did it, um, he's gay. And this is what he does for a living. He does websites. And when he was working on mine, he was telling friends and um he actually got asked about his status by a couple of his friends as a result of working on my website. And um, that's when he sort of clued into the kind of understood kind of what we're doing now. But I just find it incredible that uh, people think that you could only be positive to be interested in doing something or being involved or I'm a paying customer. You have to be positive in order to take someone else's money. That would be a positive subject. You know, it's just in this day and age, it's still, it hi- I highlighted to him what, how ridiculous uh, people can be still. No, it's he, true because, you know, my money is just as green as someone else's who's negative. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Only someone who's HIV positive would take on business from someone HIV positive. Like, how ridiculous is that? And that's when he yeah. realized, because he used to think, you know, well, HIV, you're positive, whatever. Like, who cares? I mean, not like who cares, who cares, but why should that make a difference? And, um, and then after that, he, he had a, a newfound appreciation for everything. And um, so that was, a, that was very interesting. It was a little off topic, but, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a good reminder of, of what things are like. And that made me think about the AIDS walk because there's a lot of people who are not HIV positive who take interest in um, sporting this cause. Oh, absolutely. And it's so much fun. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know, again, how you have it there, but we have, uh, there's bands that play music as you walk by. There's DJs that are offering, you know, uh, music stations that give away CDs and free stuff as you're walking by. And it's just very, like, to see it. I mean, I have photos yeah. as I am from the first one. And when I go across the, the one bridge at the end of Kelly Drive here in Philly, you look back across the bridge and, and see where you came from, and you see just a, a, a swarm, a wave of people. Like, mm, that's great. Of heads, and you're just like, wow. Like, it, it, people are really starting to come out and, and show. So, I mean, I was always afraid to go to an AIDS walk. Even, yeah. You know, before I was positive. I didn't go to one until I started doing Pause I Am. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, all these years later. Um, uh, in some, some way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I'm going off topic, but I mentioned this earlier. You know, I wrote a post on Pause I Am about what does spirituality mean to you, and I wrote about what I was doing, and that takes me into a whole different world of people that I, I am so out, but in my own world, and I went into another world. And so when people ask me what I do, uh, 
because it's so related to my status and everything I do, telling someone what I do basically tells them my status. And all of a sudden it was like I didn't have any of this experience of being out in the media for I don't know how many, two decades. And um, I felt all that fear again. Oh, my God. You know, I I just felt like how ridiculous is that after everything I've done that uh, I would feel that way. And so when someone asked me again what I did, I started to say something. I went, you know, let's cut this. And, you know, told them I'm disability, this is what I'm doing. And it was perfectly fine. And actually, I think it enhanced, it made things, you know, I felt, I felt like I could be myself, you know, and I could relax and not worry. And it was all cool. But it's, you know, for, it was a good reminder of how scary that must be for people who don't have the, I have a lot of experience being out about my status and yet I can still feel this way. Oh, yeah, I was talking to one of the new members of um, I Am last night or the night before, I forget exactly, and we were talking about how he was about to disclose to somebody for the first time, and he was recently diagnosed, so it's the very, like, very first time ever. Oh, and yeah. How, you know, it was nervous, and I remember the very first time I had to, you know, tell somebody and how nerve-wracking it is just to say those three words, you know, or those four words that you have mm-hmm. HIV, and... It just sends me back to, like, how to disclose and, and, like, he was asking questions along that line, and I was just trying to tell him that it's good that you always come from a place that you're okay with it at first. You know, yeah. if you're okay with being HIV positive and you are educated, then when you go tell somebody else, it doesn't come off as you're falling apart and they fall apart with you. You know what I mean? If you uh, can yeah, educate yeah. It, you can educate them. Yeah, I think a lot of people take cues from you as well, or from me, how I present myself. So if I'm, you know, breaking down a bawling mess, they're going to see that as something really horrific. Or, you know, if you're in a much better place emotionally or, you know, more ready to disclose, uh, you know, people are going to take the cues differently. But, I mean, it depends on who you're, you know, when I first told my friend the first time, all those years ago, yeah, it was a bubbling mess. But, you know, that was a really close friend. Um, but I often find if you act like there's nothing to be ashamed of, then people treat you like that, generally speaking. I feel very lucky because I've had very few negative responses. I feel very, very lucky. Yeah, I have, um, I don't really remember any really bad negative responses either. Um, you know, I mean, unless you call, you don't call me, no a negative response. I mean, to me, that's, I'd rather you not call me than you lie to me, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just don't call. I, I get the hint. Because, <laughs> you know, for me, if I don't disclose it, it's not like I, I need to wear a plus sign on my forehead, but... If somebody doesn't know, I don't feel like, like I'm being authentic, and I don't like to make stuff up. So if people ask me what I do, and I say something that skirts around it, there's a part of me that feels like I've just lost a little, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. I don't feel good about it. And um, And it's harder for me to be closer to people if I'm hiding it. I mean, everyone has their own different approach to it. I have friends that keep it very, very much to themselves, and that's what works. 
but I've just found that, um, you know, if I, if I don't, um, it's hard for that person to be closer to me. So, like, don't you want someone to like you for who you are and, and not hide stuff from them versus people liking you for how you, they, for, because of a, some kind of construct that you've given them that you think they'll like? So that's kind of my view about it, especially when going on a date, you know. I know, absolutely. Uh, you know, then I start thinking, well, I haven't told them, so they like me for this version of me that they see. But will they like me after they find out the real version of me? So I just plastered on billboards and get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, growing up as, as, as a gay man, you know, you always have these lies and, and these stories that you have to tell and keep straight because, you know, at least for me, I was because I wasn't openly gay in the very beginning. I had to keep it all a secret. So I think yeah. once being diagnosed, you kind of go back into that hole that you put yourself in before coming out of the closet of being gay and, and kind of sit there again and think, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to lie in? And it's good that people like you and me and Jack and Jeremy that put ourselves out there and let people know that it's okay to be public about it. And not everybody has to be shouting it from the rooftops like us. Yeah. People <laughs> can sit on their computer and, 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 and blog behind an anonymous name like many do. Um, but yeah. it's important that people understand that when we when you do disclose, if you're not going to, you know, be somebody who does it publicly, um, you know, as an advocate or as a speaker, that you, you do it in a place that is somewhat I, – I would suggest that you do it in a place that's somewhat public. I don't think doing it right in the middle, you know, of getting taking your clothes off is a good spot to do it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, because it's just not a good idea to be in the middle of the clothes because more than likely that's where you'll get a bad reaction. If you're sitting and having a normal conversation with somebody and coming from a position of strength and, and education, then you're able to convey that with others and they see the confidence and then they're able to support you in a way that you need to be supported. But if you can't support yourself, they're not going to be able to support you. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, very emotionally true. Emotionally and all that, I mean. Not yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, I've often said, you know, you don't have to, like you just said, um, have to be, you know, putting it on a billboard and, and being as out as that we do. But maybe you can see by virtue of people like us doing what we're doing that you could maybe take a risk that sharing it with a friend or being a, you know, just finding ways to, um, break isolation or feel more comfortable or more confident in some some way, you know. So sometimes showing people the extremes of us can, I hope, say, you know, well, maybe I can share this with a friend or what have you. And each of those little steps builds on, um, you know, building confidence and feeling, and feeling better about yourself, at least in my that's experience. The, that's the most important thing, to have confidence. Um, yeah, I think that that really gets you to the next step of moving past all that good stuff of you know disclosure and and figuring it all out of falling in love again. Because a lot of you know, like we said earlier, they think they're not going to find that relationship or they're not going to be able to fall in love or get married or have kids or any of mm-hmm. that. And and I mean, we've had women on the show that you know were HIV positive, had a baby, and the baby is HIV negative, and they went through you know the precautions that a woman needs to go through to you know, keep the baby HIV negative. And I just think that having those different experiences 
you know, it, it's important that people understand that it's so individual for everyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Individual. Yeah. 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 There's no, yeah, there's no one set answer and you got to do what's right for you. But there's also a lot of, you know, I think we have to allow ourselves to dream and be open to have possibilities. Because I think we let, I let, let me talk about myself, I let HIV completely close everything. I mean, I let it give my dreams up. I, you know, everything I wanted to do came to an end back in those days. And it's only now, all these years later, that I'm starting to open up to think about what are the possibilities in my life? What can I do? What can, what dreams do I have? What, you know, it's a very different mindset. And, um, you know, that's one message I always think people should, at least if you can hear, is, you know, don't let it shut everything down for you. Because it's, um, because there's so much we can do. There's so much potential out there, you know. And I feel like in the early days, I let it rob me of that. No, no, I totally but, agree. I was, um, I'm looking. Uh, we have a chat room on the on the Positive Network, and uh, one of our members in there uh, talks saying, you know, that his family's only request when he disclosed to them was that not to talk about it in public. Was not, oh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, not making it public. Kind yeah. of protect his family. Which I think my family did that too, you know, when I came out even as gay before coming out as positive that it was, you know, don't talk about it, you know, so we don't have to tell everybody. Everybody doesn't need to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here I, I am. <laughs> that's probably a fairly natural reaction at the beginning. My mother, who was a psychologist at the time, you know, she was afraid anybody would find out. This is back in, like, 1987. She was so afraid that anyone would find out. And she's a psychologist. I went to see a counselor uh, at that time. And when I mentioned it to her, she said something like, did you tell her? And she's a psychologist. I mean, you know, you don't go to a counselor and not tell them what's going on. So, I mean, you can see how, you know, how that, that reaction can be the... You know, if a psychologist is doing it, I think it's pretty normal if your family's like that. But I think over time, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, that can change. No, right. One of the, um, one of the other things I wanted to, to bring up today is a friend of mine, Michael Moniz, uh, he was on the show, uh, I think maybe within the first year, I think he was on, and he's a life coach and he does a lot of work with the POS community and has a lot of, uh, of clients that he coaches that are HIV positive, and he posted this article on uh, on his blog, I believe, and it was also posted on gay.com and planetout.com, and it was called um, Surviving and Thriving with HIV. And I'm going to put that mm-hmm. in there, um, put the, um, the link in the chat room for people to check it out. It's on the Podland Network and on uh, the link is there. And um, it, it talks about how, how you move from surviving to thriving and how People, you know, tend to settle for just surviving, and they think that they're on borrowed time when they are, you know, first uh, diagnosed, and they feel like the moment that they're diagnosed that they're already facing death and that they're going to die, and it's yeah. the way that we all are, you know. We all feel like that we're on that, but the reality of it all is that we all live on borrowed time because the day we're born is one less day that we have in our lifetime. So as we yeah. get older, you know, our time's borrowed away. So, I mean, it's just nice to know that, you know, there's people out there who are, are really helping because really to, 
to survive with HIV is one thing, but to thrive with it and to live your life as if you were not HIV positive or as if you would if you weren't HIV positive is, is a really, yeah. you know, good accomplishment for somebody who is usually down in the dumps right after they're diagnosed. I know I was. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I hope that, that I can accomplish with my website is that I've got, you know, many, many of the people who write for it, it's, it's come out of personal relationships, and as it grows, I hope I can get a wider, wider range of writers. But the people I have are all people that I, in their own way are, 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 are examples for me of, um, Thriving in their lives and doing things, and um, and I hope that they're role models in a way. But I kind of want to show that other side of life um, through that. And you know, when you're just surviving all the time, you know, I, you just it happened to me too. I got so depressed, and you know, y'all end up at that Peggy Lee moment of smoking that cigarette—not <laughs> literally, but you know, metaphorically smoking that cigarette and doing—is that all there is? And at some point, I had to go, there's got to be more. Like, I had no dreams. I had no goals. And developing a website for me is, you know, symbolic of where I was at in terms of creating a new life. And out of it, uh, you know, one of my dreams I want to do, and I have two stand-up comic friends, but I do improv workshops for people with HIV, which is so much fun because we always do workshops. And, you know, they're very educational and informative, but... The, the improv, you you learn a lot about yourself and you have so much fun at the same time. But they, for me, have been role models, too. And one of the guys, he's a straight guy who's uh, been positive for about seven years, and he's just starting to work HIV into his comic routine. He actually had uh, a fundraiser last Friday night called uh, Laugh for Life, which uh, was a great success, and they're going to do more of that. Uh, but the whole reason I'm bringing them up is, I want to do stand-up comedy, and uh, I would never thought I would do that two years ago. Um, I still can't quite imagine it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and that's the kind of thing I I, I, I hope people can look in their lives and go, yes, I'm HIV positive, but what is my passion and what is my dream? What is it that I would really love to do? Because there's nothing more exciting than looking at something that you would really love to do, be a little afraid to do but you actually do it and you accomplish it. I'm getting really, yeah, you know, It's so always so much better when you go, you know, when you're doing something you love. Yeah. And you can, and you can still do that. Were you always you know? a computer person? Me? Uh, uh, no, but I got a job. I used to work for Mac Cosmetics, and I got promoted into the training position, and we had to work out of the house or, or out of home. So that's when I got a computer up until then. But that was, you know, that's actually a long time ago now, 97. Uh, and then I just, yeah, I just, I always, I got into, like, everybody, it was new, so chatting with people. I, it's kind of funny now to think that that was really exciting. Like, the novelty was so exciting. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm a geek. <laughs> I like to know how things work. I love the Internet. I love being able to connect with people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pause I Am is a great way for me to uh, know what's going on more in the United States uh, and get to know different people. And Mark King was one of them, and I got to meet him. I went to the International AIDS Conference in Vienna. 
Okay, and, uh, tell me all about it. <laughs> well, there was an incredible heat wave that was going on. I don't know if you remember, but Russia was having these awful forest fires and it's 48 degrees. So that heat wave made it down to Central Europe as well. So I arrived and I, yeah, it was really, really hot. But, um, but it was great. It was great. I got to meet some people like uh, Mark. I met some people from the body. Um, I, I got sponsored to go and to cover issues around um, when to start treatment. And just to be around people that are from all over the world, it's really a networking thing for me. Uh, and to go to the Human Rights March and then Annie Lennox was performing uh, in this you know, where this huge palace was. It all was kind of surreal. And um, there was also something I went to, which I learned was the largest fundraiser, AIDS fundraiser, international AIDS fundraiser in the world put on by Amphar. It's called the Life Ball. And I'd never heard of it before, but it's huge. And I went on eBay and got a ticket completely in German. Uh, and, and Whoopi Goldberg was there. uh it's absolutely huge, and it takes place in City Hall. And there's from there's a huge long red carpet that goes through, and there's a park, and and all these like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are watching as people come in as these elaborate costumes. That's part of it. Is you have many people get dressed up. I've never been to something where there were so many crazy outfits and trees on heads and people completely lit um, uh, lit up with lights. And it was a huge fashion event and tons and tons of media. It raises about $2 million. And wow. uh, that was really cool. And then there's a huge cultural event. And then it opens up into a party where you pretty much go all over anywhere you want to go in the city hall uh, that's centuries old. And I haven't seen so many beautiful people in one place. <laughs> so. But it was really cool. I mean, it got rained out, there were storms, but it was still really cool um, to see. And it was about celebrating life, which is what I really liked. Like, they had an area where you could get little things to eat and, you know, red ribbons made out of bread. And That's cool. You know, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were there. And if people don't know them. They're kind of a group of guys that sort of really outrageous uh, makeup with nuns outfits and call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Um, yeah, it was really, yeah, I think that was my highlight of uh, being there. Yeah, I talked so, to yeah. Mark um, about it, and uh, he had a great time. I saw some of his videos that he posted on the body on his blog. It was it looked like a lot of fun. I really, really wish I was able to. I applied for a scholarship. I guess they just didn't want me. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you're in North America for scholarships because there's just so much demand. But, you know, next one's Washington. Right. That's what I'm excited about, so I know I'll be going to that one because it's close. I'll be in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be close enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So we had it here in Toronto in 2006. And, um, yeah, it was the first one I went to when... It was, yeah, it was exhausting. I just started all my meds three weeks prior, and uh, it was hard, but I did it. And, uh, yeah, it's there's something to be said to be in part of the sort of global movement and 
and uh, yeah, seeing how things are, and you know, going into the P, was it PWA? The, the positive lounge it's called for it's just for people who are HIV positive. I yeah. you know I was, um, you know, and then the first person who recognizes me is someone that I met when I was working in Rwanda. So it's just it's beautiful that way to bring all these people together. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to meet those people, too, you know, the people that you read about in the magazines that are so involved in, you know, the efforts. It's nice that any conference, really, that you go to that is surrounding HIV and AIDS is, is a great thing. I know there's one coming up in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I'm really bad with the names. Um, but it, it's a conference coming up there, and I actually uh, was awarded a scholarship, but I still wasn't able to afford um the rest of it because when you went you had to pay ahead of time and then you were reimbursed. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I would hard. love to but I can't. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to um get the money. I didn't think I was gonna go and then and I had I, I gotten an apartment really, really cheap and reserved it and I was just about to let it go when word came in that I was that I was gonna have some money to go. So uh that was really nice. Uh, got to connect with some really cool people, and uh, I got to interview a couple of great, uh, you know, Dr. Melanie Thompson, who's the uh, chair of a panel that came up with these new treatment guidelines, which I won't get to at this time because it's only seven minutes to the end. But uh, she was really great to talk to, and um, and uh, yeah, a few other people. But it was really what important for me was to meet the people that I chat with online and never get to actually see physically. So, you know, yeah. maybe I'll actually get to meet you in person one of these days. Yeah, no, that's why I'm going to the to the, the ADAPT crisis conference that we do in D.C. with um, the ADAPT yeah. Advocacy Association because I get to meet all the people. Like, I get to meet, see Justin B. Smith and, and, and Brandon and, and everyone else that went there. Where the actually, I get to meet Pazai Emers who go there because a lot yeah. of them go to that event, and it was just so great for me to go down there and hang out with people who I know, you know, in some way I'm helping them, and, and in, 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 in a whole other way, they're helping me too. You know yeah, saying? well. It's good for me, but it, it's, I mean, it's good for them, but it's great for me. I get a lot of, a lot of help from doing what I do. And, and, yeah, you know, yeah. It, just, it, it feels good to give back, and it's good to know that you're helping people, and I think that's when, you know, people start waking up and realizing what their priorities are. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's um, when you're when you're sharing like that, you know, you often get back just as much as more than you're giving, and uh, it's nice to feel like, you know, hopefully doing something that helps, you know, try to be part of a solution and. Um, you know, paved the way for, for me because I've been, you know, I'm a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully that it makes other people confident to do, you know, do other stuff as well. Like, for example, Michael Birch, who writes on my site, you know, he's exactly what I would have been if I found out now, at the age I found out. He, you know, carbon copies me. He's naked on everything. <laughs> um He's, yeah, he's part of character. He's great. And, uh, you know, it's great to see people, um, taking up the cause the way Michael is and, uh, and, uh, seeing that it's still important to work on. Uh, totally. Tell, tell, um, 
we got about like five minutes. Um, tell people about your site itself so people know um, what PositiveLight.com is. Well, PositiveLight.com, it's with an L-I-T-E. Uh, I wanted to use a play on words because I, I wanted something that wasn't heavy, um, something that had uh, that could be entertaining yet have some information in it. And also in Canada, we don't have a website where we have out people with HIV that are all together in one spot. And I wanted to create something like that. And so on the site, there's um, I have different bloggers, and then I get guest bloggers, and I also do video, uh, different events, and a lot of things can be HIV related. And then there's things that are completely not. And um, it's actually doing very well. Each month, I get more and more people. And um, you know, I hope you check it out. It's uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'm I'm sort of channeling the governor of Arizona right now. Um, <laughs> uh, at least he got that reference. Um, really, it's meant to highlight our lives, celebrate life, have some fun, but also not deny that the context of HIV does affect our lives. And, you know, I write, and it's a work in progress. Like, I'm always tweaking it. Some of the most popular, actually, um, uh, posts that I've done recently, uh, I've gotten people to write opinions on things, what they think about things. And that's the like I wrote about a study about PTSD and uh, gay men with HIV and sort of my thoughts on that. And, uh, but I also have a friend, she, she's a, a major activist and she flies around the world and she writes movies reviews. She loves movies. She's a cinephile. So there are people who are out and positive, but they're sharing what they enjoy and love that may not be related to HIV. So it's a real mishmash of a lot of things. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I sense. mean, I love uh, your bloggers are, are great. Uh, I know we've had a, a – I think we had a few of them on the show, didn't we? Well, Jade Electra was recently on. Yes, we did. To, we did have Jade on. Yeah, um, a.k.a. Uh, many names. But um, <laughs> on, uh, but on the blog, it's DJ Relentless. So he writes basically music. It's music-related stuff and some blog posts, and that's quite popular. And I also work with him because he has the Jade Electra show at a uh, at a bar in Toronto called Cruise and Tangos every Saturday night from 7 to 9. And he has great acts that come in that do everything from live performances to spoken word, hip-hop. It's a really interesting mix of people. So we've been uh, video recording it, and we're just starting to make it into a little Internet show. And I'm putting that on the site as well. So the first first one is on there uh, as well, including a great Stevie Nicks impersonator. Things just like her. It's really spooky. No, definitely it sounds good. So people can go check out <clears throat> Brian and his amazing website over at positivelightlite.com uh, and, and check out what he has going on there. And, like, you know, I can totally understand with tweaking things, so it's always a work in progress. So... And There's I'm always, always looking, that can be done. You know, I'm going to do this shameless plug. I'm always looking for guest writers. You know, if you want to try out writing and see what it's like, and I think it's a great way to, you know, get a feel for it. And um, always looking for a wide variety of people, men, women, everything in between, uh, different backgrounds, experiences, and stuff. So it's kind of, you know either share stuff that's related to HIV or just what they love to do. That sounds so, so great. You should, I should apply. 
Well, you should. Right <laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. I think, actually think I might want to do that. So we'll see if um, you have rooms to fit me in. But we're down oh, for a couple seconds. So just to remind people to uh, also check out, um, Brian has a blog on the Pazam Network also called Asset Reflux, and you can check out his post there as well. Um, also go to positivelight.com to find out more on him. To find more information about me, past radio shows, and the Pazam Network, you can go to www. <laughs> Pazim.com. Brian, thanks for joining me, and I hope you Thank have you a so good much. night. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. Have a good night, man. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, and you can join us all next week when Jack McEnroff returns, and we will be speaking with Scott Pride, author of a Mid- Private Midnight. Thank you, and have a great night. Wow, really?